Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Good day, everyone. Welcome to We're Talking Shift, the podcast where we talk shift because I believe that the antidote to feeling stuck begins in our minds with a shift in our thinking, which is why I love talking with other people who are deep thinkers and coaches, therapists, authors, and others who are using their voices and their experiences and expertise to help others get unstuck and create their version of a sweet, sweet life. My mission really is to help you achieve yours. And lately, I have been, I've really been called to start sharing a lot more on the topic of relationships. I just think life is all about relationships anyway. Um, not just relationships with other people, but everything is about your relationship to it and how you relate to things, whether it's your environment, your community, your health, you know, how you relate to your finances, um, spirituality. Uh, it, it goes on about, about pretty much everything. There isn't anything in life that isn't about a relationship and or how you are relating to something. So it's a big topic. Um, But today I am going to continue about specifically relationships with your significant other. And uh, we're going to roll into tip number three. Because, you know, I've been with the same amazing man for 37 years and we've been married for just about 35 of those years now. So I have a few tips up my sleeve. In fact, I think my list is up to about 40 right now, and it does continue to grow. So we have a lot to talk about over the coming months, my friends. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about change and how change can affect relationships. Obviously, change is a massive topic. So uh, in just a little bit, I'm going to invite my awesome producer, TJ, to join in. He's always got great questions and insights. And uh, and then we're going to hone in on just one aspect of change that can occur in a relationship. And we're going to do a little deep dive into that. Because really, you guys, change is always, always in the making. Change, ironically, is the one eternal constant. But for a lot of people, change is really scary. To me, change is exciting. Because at this point in my life, I can look back and realize and see that every meaningful change that has ever happened in my life has led to something, someplace, and or someone amazing, which has, you know, been great for me, but that can be um, a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. Now, one of my very favorite authors is Neil Donald Walsh. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with him. He is renowned the world over. Uh, Most people have heard of, if they haven't already read them, but they've at least heard of the Conversations with God books that he is famous for. And he's got like a dozen other ones on top of those. They're all amazing. But in his book called When Everything Changes, Change Everything, Neil states, most people recoil from change. They don't like it because change is about stepping into unfamiliarity. It's about leaving something or someone behind and venturing forth into the unknown. Now, 
I think that the unknown is scary for most people because it represents uncertainty. And certainty is a very powerful, powerful psychological human need. Ironically, so is uncertainty, but we'll, uh, we'll tackle that one another day. So sometimes, you guys, change just shows up in ways that are, you know, non-frightening, um, fun, even super exciting. And when change shows up like that, we refer to it as opportunity. But often, change is disguised as something that's negative. You know, change can be overwhelming. Change can come in and feel like it's an all-out disaster, and, and oftentimes it truly is an all-out disaster. It doesn't just seem like that. Basically, it's some degree of chaos. So in our, in our discomfort and our fear and anxiety, we don't usually view chaos as opportunity, but rather something that we need to try to stop or, you know, reassemble or reverse or just simply like run like hell from. But that's uh, that's because we don't like chaos either. And I have another favorite author, um, Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist and a psychology professor. And I love his book, 12 Rules for Life. And there's something he says about that, about chaos in there. He says, where everything is certain, we're in order. And when the bottom drops out and things fall apart on us, well, that is chaos. I can totally relate to that. I like order. I'm an order freak. <laughs> I think I like beautiful things. And to me, order is beautiful. So when things are terribly out of order, um, that, that to me is chaos. I, I find that to be, um, it's hard for me. That is one of my challenges. It's hard for me to be, to be comfortable in disorder. But I recognize that in myself. So it's one of those things that I either go, well, if this is something I can put in order and feel really good, then I do. If it's something that's not under my control, then I have to uh, coach myself into being okay with it and finding myself in a little bit of that chaos for a reason. And, uh, and, and just, yeah, finding my place of comfort and being able to sit in that chaos for a bit. But anyway... I digress. Okay, so back to change. Here's what I've learned over the years, and I can now recognize at the onset of change rather than in hindsight. From the most uncomfortable chaos is actually where the biggest opportunities are gestating. I've learned that from real chaos, a new and better order is trying to be born. Something new is trying to evolve. So now, you know, in, in the past, I would have been in a situation that, you know, I considered, ooh, a scary change or a change that I wanted to, you know, to put a halt to, didn't think was going to be good. And you, uh, you, it's very difficult to see beyond it, to see down the road and know that you're going to come out not only okay, it's on some level, you know, hopefully most of the time you know that, but sometimes you don't. But at least if you, you still don't even know that you're going to come out better. There's that whole unknown uncertainty thing that's going on. But now that I've, now that I'm older and I've had lots of, lots of uh, uncertainty and lots of big changes, now I just know that each time chaos sweeps in because of what I've experienced in the past, 
when it's come in and it's hung out for a while, it ultimately revealed itself to be the catalyst to the next best thing or the next life altering, amazing thing, whatever that next best thing is that's supposed to, you know, come into your life to help you evolve. So now I just know, um, when, when a big old change or chaos comes in, I'm not only able to just sit in it and be comfortable, but I'm able to be excited about it because now I know that something really good is in the works. And so I can look at it and sit in it and be okay, beyond okay. I can be really, really excited about it. But that's now speaking pretty generally about change in your life. What happens when change occurs in your relationship with your partner? I mean, that's bound to happen. It's inevitable. And sometimes that change, you know, feels like anything but super fantastic. But the longer that you are with someone, naturally, the more changes you're going to encounter. And you're going to have to navigate that. So my producer, TJ, and I were chatting about this a couple of days ago. And and um, he brought up a change that uh, can happen. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. It was I had a version of it somewhere on my list. I think it was like number 20 out of my tips. But uh, since we were talking about it, I said, you know, I'm going to move it up to uh, to tip number three. And we're going to explore that a little bit today. Um, I mean, there's just endless changes, right, that's going to that are going to come up in your relationship. And, um, you know, sometimes um, a change comes up that is very subtle. It's not very obvious. And sometimes you don't realize it's happened or it's happening until after it's happened and sometimes long after it's happened. So anyway, I'm going to have TJ jump in and we're going to we're going to dive into that. Are you there with me, TJ? Um, here's always the voice in your head. Yeah, you're like you're like the Oz behind the curtain back there. Yes. <laughs> love it. Yes. I love it. So um, remind me, you've been married for what, like nine years, TJ? Nine years this Wednesday, believe it or not. Oh, oh wow. Congrats. Early congrats. Good for you. We made it. At least nine years we made it. Not it's yeah, not it's well, not thirty seven or anything like that, but But hey, you're well on your way. Yeah. You're Right. And and now that we're talking about all these amazing relationship tips um, practically every week, um, I feel like you've got a lot. You're going to have a lot of tools in your tool bag. Well, (laughs) you you know what I think it is, Lori? I think we all have this information, especially anybody that's been in a relationship for a very long time. But we sometimes don't realize it because, you know, outside of the world that you and I live in, where we talk about these things. A lot of people forget that they know it because they never actually articulate it. You have skills that you rely on and and depend on maybe every day in your life. But until you sort of give that advice to somebody else, you might not even know that you know that advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a great point. It's true. If you don't have somebody to... uh um, to voice and explore and just talk and get the things that are intrinsically in you out there. You're right. Sometimes you don't even know yourself that you have some, some great words of wisdom. It it sounds weird, but I think the best way to learn something is by teaching it. Yeah. Because when you go over the finer points of technique about something, then you go, Oh, I actually know how to do this. Or I understand it a bit more when I try to explain it. You can, you can learn a lot by teaching. Definitely. Definitely. I've been um, in, I do a lot of teaching that's woven into my coaching. Um, 
because my my goal is to ultimately have my clients be able to learn how to coach themselves so that they don't need to rely on an on an outside coach or you know or a mentor or a guide um and every time i have a session with somebody um because there is a teaching aspect woven into most of it i'm still learning as well every single time i finish the session and i'm making my notes i'm like Ah, yeah. Yeah. Who knew? I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting enlightened a little bit more each time as well, which I love. Sure. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So one of the things that you brought up that I thought was pretty cool and, um, I thought we'd jump into today is how to not lose yourself in a relationship. And that's, uh, that's one of those things that a lot of times is so subtle that people don't realize that it's happened until it's, happened. You know what I mean? For sure. And I think uh, a lot of the times that I have uh, either uh, witnessed this firsthand or been accused of it firsthand is when I started dating my wife or, or another partner prior to that. And I stopped hanging out with my friends as much as I used to. And a lot of people sort of do that when they find a new relationship. They sort of become not necessarily clingy, but they become attached to this new person in their lives and they break some of their normal habits of, of you know, being social with, with certain groups of people or, or being available in that same sort of way. And, and friends like to immediately look at someone and go, oh, look, you met this person. Now you don't come around anymore. The mm-hmm. question is whether or not you are losing your identity and, oh, I'm not, you know, as available to my friends as I used to be. Or I'm just really excited about this new change in my life and I'm, I'm following that. I, I think there's a fine line between both. And also, too, if you are sort of becoming uh, really infatuated with this new person in your life, you do still want to remain um, not distant. That's not the right word. But you want to you want to keep your identity at the same time because you don't want to get too yeah. sick of one another. You know what I mean? You have to. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. drawn to each other for a reason. It's still important to maintain some independence in those relationships. Yeah. Your autonomy. Right. Really. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's a super good point. Actually, I, I have like I don't, six or seven um, kind of red flags here, signs that you may be losing yourself in a relationship. And that's one of them is that you've given up your friends, which is a really good point because part of it is, well, what's the intention? Why, why are you giving up your friends? Is it because you are just um, completely losing yourself in, in your relationship, in your partner, and you're almost to the point where you've isolated uh, yourself from everybody outside of you? Or is it just simply because yet yeah, you've um, maybe outgrown some of these people? Maybe they, you just not, you know, you just don't have that much in common anymore. Maybe you're growing and maturing in a different way because of your relationship that you're just, um, you just don't, feel you just don't vibe anymore right. with the same people i, I so, think one yeah. thing one thing on that same sort of tip that a lot of people fail to to realize is at certain points in your life maybe you're looking for a reason to get away from certain influences around you and mm-hmm. that new relationship in your life is the sort of catalyst to maybe leave some people behind but it, it definitely doesn't look good to those people that you're leaving behind and and sometimes you have to ask yourself okay is this what i really want am i doing this on purpose is this, is this, you know, the plan? Am I, am I executing something subconsciously or am I changing, you know, in a negative manner? Right, right. So you really have to, you really, when that's happening, I think um, if you're questioning it at all, 
that means that you're concerned about it. If it just feels like, I mean, you are elated and everything is great and, you know, things are just kind of orga- you organically moving away from some of your previous, you know, friends or groups of people. And it all feels like, no, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing now in my life. I'm on to a new chapter, a new phase. You can feel it. it but if you're questioning it, if you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, I kind of miss my, I miss so-and-so and I, I'm missing talking to my best friend or, or, you know, whatever it is. If you're starting to question and be concerned about it, that might be, um, you know, the intuitive nudge you need to really sit and have a, um, a good exploration within yourself about right. why am I, why am I doing this? So get to know yourself and ask yourself those deeper questions. Is this really healthy? Do I feel good about this? Or is something telling me I need to take a step back and, and view this from a higher perspective? Yeah. Getting back to what you were talking about when you first started this segment, you know, talking about relationships and relationships are everything. I think really the, the biggest, most important relationship in your life is the relationship with yourself. And I, I know that science kind of sounds funny, but you need to know who you are. You need to be acquainted with what you want and you need to go out and execute that. And at times I think we are so busy taking in information and reacting and making decisions that we fail to stop and sort of ask ourselves, is this what I want? Do I want to do this? And you know, what's that old adage? Like if you talk to yourself, you're not crazy. You're only crazy if you answer yourself. I think, I think that's a little bit off base because maybe you don't need to actually vocalize it and have a conversation with yourself in the car. That might get uh, some odd looks. But I think you do have to ask yourself the question, what is it that I want? Am I on the path to achieving that? And what do I have to do to make sure that that is the case? And that's what happens. And I think a lot of people really fail to sit down and go, hmm, what do I want? How do I get it? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people are um, are just on reactive mode, on autopilot. And when when you don't have um, a strong sense um, in really like a conscious awareness of your own uh, personal values, which again is getting to is is part of that personal relationship that you have with yourself. If you if you don't have a, a strong sense of your your personal constitution, your personal values, uh, what's important to you, what what are your priorities, then um, trust me, somebody else is going to put theirs on you. Right, and and I think that's one thing that people need to realize too is look at our our modern day and age. Like the world is very demanding. You are constantly moving things around to accommodate others. Um, you know your 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 own schedules that I think that we sometimes become consumed in the day-to-day and we very rarely think about the future. And if you get, you know, consumed by the day-to-day grind, all of a sudden that future has arrived and you're not where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, you're not even close. And sometimes you uh, you don't even realize until way down the road that, wow, you know what, I I don't even know how I ended up here. This is not what I was envisioning back when I was, you know, in my in my teens or my twenties or something. Um, so I I do think it's a, there, it's really really important to be very aware of what your attention is on because we all have intentions. We all start out, you know, our lives with intending to do certain things or or be a certain thing, accomplish certain things. And, um, and if you're not 
keeping a very close eye on your intentions, then all of the other stuff pulls at your attention and it drags it away from fueling your intentions. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Eyes on the prize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, but but at the same yes. time, don't become obsessed because then you'll miss you know other opportunities and indicators you know yeah. that you should be taking advantage of and and yeah. and again like I I love this show and I love what you say because when I sit back and I listen to what you're saying, I take down these notes and then these notes sort of branch off into uh, other topics altogether and and you were talking about change and and uncertainty and I I have a buddy of mine who he he rolls with the punches so incredibly well and i mean that figuratively and literally because he's he's a fighter but uh uh-huh. he one of the best things with him is is when change and uncertainty happens he just looks at whatever is going to happen as an adventure and he's yes. going to learn from it there, there's an old saying in fighting you either win or you learn and i think that's an attitude that you need to have when it comes to every day in your life you don't know what's going to happen and i know that change can be scared or scary change can be, you know, fear inducing. And, you know, going back to not losing your identity in a relationship, I think not losing yourself in the face of uncertainty is, is very vital too, because at the end of the day, like if you're listening to this and you're older than heck five years old, if you're six years old, I think you've (laughs) gone through enough change in your life to go, okay, this was my life one day. And now it's this way, another way. And look, I'm here. We have to right. have confidence in the fact that whatever is thrown our way, we're going to be able to roll with the punches. And one day we're in kindergarten. The next day we're in first grade. 20 years later, we're graduating college. And now we're you know middle-aged and the kids are leaving the house, et cetera. Like, these, are, these are things that you have to just sort of look internally and go, look, I know who I am. I know not everything is going to be exactly the way it is now or exactly the way I want it to be, but I'm going to be fine. Why? Because I know who I am and I know that I have the ability to manage and, and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so key right there. I know who I am and I know I'm capable. It's, it's just knowing that you have the capabilities to, um, you know, to evolve in, in whatever manner you need to, um, depending on whatever change is coming up for you next And it's, uh, it's, it's so much more comfortable if you can manage going through those changes, if you don't freak out about it, if you don't, you, you lose so much precious time to enjoy, um, the ride when you're scared out of your wits and you just want to, you know, put your head down. And, And that's another thing too. I like how you say, enjoy the ride because we're all working towards something. There's, obviously a goal in mind in in general and where you want to get to in your life. But if you only focus on how great it's going to be when you get there, you're not going to enjoy the journey of getting there. And, And more often than not, you talk to anybody who is a world champion in sports, they'll say, Oh, you know, winning the, the world championship was great, but it, it was all the, the small mini victories, you know, either with myself or with my team on the way there that really made that, experience great like think about think about a movie you know oftentimes in sports-based films winning the championship is one of the first scenes in a movie and then they go on to tell the story and how they got there and that's the entire Mm -hmm. film the journey is the film the journey is the experience 
yeah, it's the dash in between is what I call it from where you are now to the, to the goal you think you're trying to get to it, the, I call it the dash in between the, the now and the, the goal you're trying to achieve. That's the sweet spot. That's the adventure. That's the part that you really need to pay attention to. The goal is just there so that you have some sort of a North star and you know what direction to head in. You know what I mean? No, exactly right. And yeah. uh, we, we, yeah. we have to fall in love with that journey, even if that journey has bumps in the road. And, and maybe we fail altogether and you have to pick yourself up and, and start all over again. But remember, yeah. success would never taste sweet if failure didn't feel bitter. You know what I mean? And Totally. And, and I'm, I'm not afraid to fall down as long as I get back up. No, man, we've fallen down so many times. <laughs> the scar, there's plenty of scar tissue there, but hey, that's uh, that's why we believe in failing forward, right? And, you just yeah. keep failing forward. And, and again, I'm full of fight cliches because that's sort of the yeah. world I, I live in. But I get it. Scars are yeah. stories. You know what they I mean? Are. Scars are stories. They are. And I like it. I relate. I don't know why. Um, I've never been like any kind of a fighter. Uh, so I, I don't disagree. know why. I disagree. I re- Life's a fight, Lori. Life is a fight. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yep. Although I will I will say just for a minute here and then we'll get back to our list. I did have a few great boxing lessons with my our, our dear friend, Ernest the Cat Miller. Yes. Back in the day when we lived in Atlanta, Ernest and I spent a little time, put the gloves on. He taught me a few things. So I, I did get a few tips from from Ernest. <laughs> so, so, something tells me he has some stories, too. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get Ernest on one day. and We'll chat. Oh, that'd but, be uh, fun. But, but anyway, um, okay, so let's go, let's talk about another one of these red flags. Okay. Number, the first one on the, on my list here is a red flag that you may be losing yourself in your relationship is that you fear being rejected or abandoned if you don't show up in a certain way. So basically you're kind of going along to get along with your partner, even if it's against your better judgment or your personal values but you're allowing them to, you know, you're ignoring them. Right. Uh, you're stashing them in the closet so that you can just uh, feel like, okay, everything is okay. I'm still loved. I'm liked. I'm, I'm part of this, you know, my, the relationship. And, and to me, that's something that sounds like, okay, like I'm a, I'm a square peg. That's a round hole. I better try to figure out how to fit. And to me, I don't, I don't know if, that, I mean, it depends on where you are in your relationship. But if you can't go to your partner and go, look, that that's not what I want to do. That's not exactly who I am. Then I don't know. It, it seems like you're you, you may be able to fit in that that space for a while, maybe for a very long time. But one day the truth is going to come out that you don't want to be there, that that's not who you are. Yeah. Or or it never comes out and you live out a life of never really becoming your the own you know, your own best self. You right. never really be, uh, are able to, uh, live your best life and fulfill your own dreams and, and vision and purpose because you've, um, you've made yourself small right. it, and made, yeah, it, it's like, it's like putting on a pair of shoes that are too tight. Like, sure you can wear them, but are you really mm-hmm. going to be able to move comfortably forward in life? Yeah. Yeah. Again, you're going to have some scars and some blisters and discomfort. It's going to be painful, right? It's just, you can do it. Yeah, I I don't recommend it, but you could. And I I yeah, I think that that was probably even. I mean, I'm guessing here. I maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like maybe when roles um, were more traditional back in the day, 
Um, and you know, when, uh, when people began a relationship, you know, it was, it was a little bit more about, you know, the guy was going to be like this and do that. And the, the woman was going to, this was more her role. And so, uh, I think a lot of times probably more, more women and maybe men too in their own way were, um, were doing things, um, to fit in and not rock the boat. Um, because that's what was expected, even if in their heart, they really wanted something different. Well, at the end of the day, we all want to be accepted. And for a very long time, whether it was, you know, men fulfilling out manly roles and and women, you know, satisfying, you know, uh, feminine roles, like we just Mm -hmm. conformed. And I I think now we're in a point where I, I think there's still a lot of, uh, conforming going on, but we can be at least, at least internally with ourselves, we should be able to have that conversation. Look, this isn't me. I need to figure out how to, you know, make this okay with myself, with my partner, et cetera. Right. Right. So, you know, if, uh, so that's a, that's a big one. If, um, if you are showing up only in ways that you feel are going to be accepted and grant you the love of your partner, that, that's a red flag that you are probably losing yourself from the relationship. And, and that, and what we were just talking about really leads into the next red flag, which is, uh, number two, you're, you don't communicate honestly about your feelings. You don't voice your opinions or, um, or you don't question things. Maybe you feel like you just don't even have a voice. And that, that's, that's another thing that kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about. Um, and when you're not communicating honestly, um, and you're not voicing your opinions or ever questioning anything, uh, a lot of times, again, the reason for that is because you're afraid of rocking the boat. Right. Now, one thing, that, I, that, well, one thing yeah. that I've, I've learned a lot about with communication over the years is a lot of people are afraid to voice their concerns because they feel like they're going to get rejected in voicing those concerns. Like, being yep. told, oh, hey, look, you're making a big deal out of nothing or you're being ridiculous. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the fear of the unknown when confronting a problem sometimes grabs people so tightly that they find more comfort living in a way that they're not comfortable in than going, OK, I want to bring up this this point. And then have it rejected and then be in the same situation, but also have bad feelings associated with it. But Mm -hmm. I think if you're in a relationship with anyone who respects you, this could be uh, a platonic relationship or a romantic relationship. If you voice to someone, look, this makes me uncomfortable and they don't care and attack you over your decision to bring it up, you probably shouldn't be in that relationship to begin with. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that that fear of either your your opinion or, or your concern being minimized and then you feel like embarrassed and you start to question yourself. Right. That fear makes people just be quiet or or the fear, which, you know, same thing, fear that uh, somehow love is going to be withheld from you. It's going to be taken away. And that's again, because that love and that connection is the, you know, the number one most powerful human need. Um, and if you think that if you disagree or, or have a concern or question something, if you think that's going to be taken away or withheld, then, um, you're, you'd rather just be quiet than risk 
what you perceive is going to be a loss to you, um, then that's a red flag. I, I think Hopefully. a lot. I think a lot of those situations too are probably found in relationships when people are younger. Um, I mean, if I've learned anything over the 35 years of, of my life, it's that, you know, the, the longer I'm with someone and, and, you know, I have a lot of work relationships that have, you know, spanned over a decade. Uh, my wife and I have been together now for uh, 14 years overall, uh, married, as I said, nine. Like, I, I understand that I can bring up things to her where even if she's not happy with me bringing them up, I know that whatever it is, it's not a deal breaker. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, our relationship is strong enough that over a conversation or a concern that I have or she has, I'm not worried about it blowing everything up. And, and I think that maybe that's a luxury that people that have been together for a decade plus have, you know, you're, you're kind of committed to one another, but I think that uh, people in their, their twenties and maybe that are dating they, they sometimes don't want to bring up concerns because they're afraid that the whole entire relationship will blow up. And it's like, maybe, maybe that needs to happen. I mean, I, I don't want people to blow up their relationships, but if, if you're worried about something being a deal breaker and you're afraid to bring it up because it could be a deal breaker, I think your relationship might already be broken. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to be with somebody that gives a shit about, what's up for you. Right. And if you feel like you can't share what's up for you, you know, maybe it's a big deal. Maybe it's not really a big deal, but you got to be able to share it if, if that's what is up for you. And if you have somebody in your life that, you know, you're trying to have a relationship with and, um, and your concerns or your questions, whatever it is, is, is minimized or ridiculed or poo pooed or, or worse, um, creates conflict. Yeah. Big red flag. Why would you want that? Because then you feel like you can't be yourself if you're, and if you are going to be yourself, there's going to be a negative ramification. Right. And, and I think the biggest thing about, uh, sort of that fear of rejection in a relationship when it's, when it comes to a concern is if you bring something up and it's a really big deal for you and it, it is dismissed, I, I don't know how you could be with someone who you you vocalize an issue with and they dismiss it like you're being ridiculous. That that That's what scares me. And I think that's why some people don't address a lot of big situations uh, that they know are a big deal internally. But when they try to voice it, they, they can't find the words or uh, they feel like their their partners is going to tell them, you know, you're being ridiculous. Yeah. 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 I mean, using using my voice was something um, that I had to learn. It took me a long time. Um, it was really difficult for me t in the early parts of our relationship to really um, be totally comfortable um, questioning or talking about concerns or anything, because um, I just was it just was it wasn't demonstrated to me growing right, up, you yeah. know, it was very, the, my, my mother and my grandmother, um, when I saw that witnessed the dynamics between, you know, my mom and my dad and my grandma and my grandpa, um, you know, it was almost like I never saw, I never saw it. I just never saw it at all. And the, the, the grandpa and my dad, um, were very much those kind of men that, um, you know, all they had to do was look at you a certain way. And you were just like, I'm just going to be like quiet as a mouse and, you know, 
and stay out of sight. <laughs> you yeah, know? You yeah. Just, they made it a, they made you, there was no, um, there was no uh, promoting communication, right. honest communication. And they, and so what, so. And, and that behavior, Lori, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that behavior it's taught, but it's not taught. Do you know what I mean? Like you learn it because it's just, it's out you learn there by example, yeah. you learn by what you see, not yeah. by what it said. And so what nobody, nobody actually said anything to me like, oh, you know, you probably shouldn't, um, shouldn't question and you shouldn't contribute and you shouldn't, you know, you, you shouldn't have anything to say. Nobody ever said that, but at the same time, nobody also ever said you should ask questions. You should not be afraid to talk about what's up for you. Nobody promoted it either. And, um, and, and so it was just for me growing up, communicating with the male gender was always really uncomfortable because I just had no, I had, I had no experience with right, it. Right. And I mean, so and it, my it, thought was if we did something to make our dad upset, then man, you know, we got it. It was just like, you know, you're going to get, you're going to not get, not get it in a, you know, a bad way, but it was scary enough. Like, you know, you're going to be sent to your room or you're going to get yelled at, or you're going right. to get, and as a kid, you know, you interpret that as, um, love is going to be taken away. Right. So, and, so you, and that's what you don't want to happen. So you make sure that you behave in a certain way to avoid that from happening. And I, I think that's the sort of biggest thing that is, is something that married people and, and people in a relationship that have been, uh, you know, together for a long period of time have is, is that unconditional love. Like, you you know, as a parent and, and as a, a child growing up that y your parents love you, you love your kids. There is unconditional love there. But yeah. even even at the surface level, there are times where it feels like, oh, they're going to think of me less if I break this mold, if I do step out of line. And while yep. I, I don't think that, any love actually goes away. You're right, though. There is a fear of of losing some sort of affection. Yeah, yeah. You still fear that it might. Right. So you don't want to risk it. Yeah. So it took me a long. It took me a long time and a lot of practice to get to the point where I felt really, really comfortable with that. Um, and that was all part of my own, you know, personal growth and development um, process that I started when when I was in my 20s. So. I, I learned on the job and then I learned to also teach my kids. I didn't want them to have, you know, fears. I wanted them to be able to, um, feel comfortable communicating and talking about things when maybe it was going to be uncomfortable for somebody else. So I was able to, to teach them, um, you don't have to be quiet. <laughs> you can question people. You can voice your opinions. Well, I mean, and, in, in uh, fact, not only you, can you question people, you should question everybody. I mean, if we if we've learned anything, I mean, yeah, if if it's family and, and, you know, it's over little small things. Absolutely. Like, don't don't question. Don't feel the need to go. Oh, should I trust this person? They're only my mom. But like at the at the same time, like if you don't feel comfortable questioning everything in your life and you're just going to take it for, you know, whole truth every single time, you're going to be led astray. Even if it's, you know, unintentionally, you're going to end up, you know, going down the path of of following someone that you look up to and you're, you're just going to be disappointed in the end. Like I firmly believe that you have to have not only uh, a questioning sort of uh, mentality, but the, the open mindedness, open mindedness to everything. You have to be able to accept that, 
things aren't always the way that you may think they are. And you should always take a step back and go, okay, is, is this really what it seems to be? Yeah. Yeah. Questioning is good for sure. Um, and that leads me to my next uh, sign that you could be losing yourself in your relationship, which is you habitually put your partner's needs first and ignore your own. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, that's that's I mean, yeah, in a relationship, it is definitely give and take. But mm -hmm. so many people, especially that need something, give and give and give and give and give. And I think more often than not, it goes back to that sort of idea of making someone upset and then losing some affection or losing some love they feel like oh look i need something so in order to get it i'm just going to give 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 and some partners they don't ever seem to do anything but receive and take because they almost feel like they shouldn't because their partner is overly generous with things do you know what i mean it, it mm -hmm. sets a pattern if if i constantly give you things and never sort of ask for anything in return, every time I see you, you're just going to start to expect things from me. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to feel the need to, to, to return favors. Yeah, and I, I, I think, too, it's hard for... There are a lot of people that are just naturally you know, caretakers. They, they, it's, it makes them feel good to take care of the other person and to make sure that their needs are taken care of and to make sure that they, you know, um, to smooth, smooth out any bumpy road that they right. possibly can. And it's natural for them. And that is not a bad quality at all, but the, the danger comes in when, um, when you do that, um, to the point where it's really costing you right? And you, you, you haven't put any boundary and it's not even maybe because they're taking advantage right. or maybe they aren't, but you're just doing it and you have not put any boundaries in place for yourself. You're not taking care of your own needs. So, so it's costing you greatly right. to go to be that, um, incredibly, um, passionate about always putting your partner's needs before your own. Right. And I think it's kind of like that, uh, sort of concern for, young lifeguards, like young lifeguards will go out and try to save someone from drowning and then end up drowning themselves and, and killing both because they don't know what they're doing. They don't have the experience of, of dealing with, you know, all the factors of a, a real life situation and saving someone's life. And, and I think that even, even if you don't think that you need help and you're, you're helping someone else, you might be damaging both of you and in a relationship as a whole. And I think that I'm very guilty of that. Like I will give, I will give the, the shirt off my back to someone else who maybe doesn't even need that shirt. And then I end up freezing to death. You know what I mean? And uh, that, that's, that's the type of person I am. And, and while it's good in some situations, it, it's also detrimental to my own, uh, you know, self at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that that's why it's really important for people to, um, um, you know, it's okay to lead with your heart, but we, you also have to balance that with, with your brain. You've got to, you have to have a balance between your head and your heart so that you are doing things, um, in a way that you can still be moving forward in life and taking care of others and being of service to others in a way that's coming from your heart. And, and that's, you know, that's beautiful. I mean, I would, would want everyone to have that feeling, but you still have to balance that with using with using your head and what makes um, what makes sense so that you are not compromising your own well being in the process. One hundred percent. I I yeah. couldn't have put it better myself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
next tip, this is my last uh, red flag tip, and then we will talk about a few things to not lose sight of. Um, you have lost touch with or just given up completely on your own dreams and goals and the things that you're passionate about. Your, whatever your own life purpose is, you've just lost, lost touch with all of that. That's a big one, a big sign that you've lost yourself in the relationship and it's become completely about your partner and no longer about anything that is driving you or calling you. Well, one, one thing that you've said in the past is be your partner's biggest fan. And I totally yeah. subscribe to that. But at the same time, yeah. don't forget what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, let, let's say, let, let's let's make like a music analogy. Like, you're both recording artists. Your your partner comes out with a new album. Yeah, go out there and support that album. You know, go go be the opening act for their headlining tour. But don't stop making your own music. Mm -hmm. And I think far too often people feel like, oh, to support someone, I need to basically make that my new ambition in life. And it's like, no, sing your own song. Exactly. That's a perfect perfect analogy. I, I like that a lot. Well said. All right. So there's a few things. Um, and we probably touched on a couple of these while we were diving into the red flags, but, um, all right. Don't lose sight of this. And you actually, this is one that you touched on early on. Don't lose sight of the relationship with you have with yourself. You've got to nurture it. Don't abandon your goals and the things that you're passionate about your own health and well being. If you, if you abandon yourself, I mean, besides all the obvious things that we've already talked about, but you'll become resentful of your partner, uh, you know, even though a lot of it is your own doing it, doing, but you will actually, depending on the kind of person you are, you abandon yourself, you're going to start resenting your partner. And, um, and then very likely that if it goes on and on, that leads to, uh, for a lot of people, some degree to some degree of depression. Oh yeah. No, without a yeah. doubt. It's, it's, to me, it's, uh, it's like getting mad at someone, uh, for something that maybe they did, but they didn't know that they did it. And, and really at the end of the day, you find out that you're the one that sort of, you know, made it that way. Like I, I remember my buddy was telling me, uh, that he and his girlfriend, uh, were having some issues and he had a dream that she cheated on him. Uh, she did not cheat on him, but because he had that dream, he woke up the next morning and was kind of like mean to her and was like, like snarky with her. And it's like, well, first off, you're pushing her away more because you're not clicking on all cylinders. And also, too, you're mad at her for something she didn't do other than in your own head. And it, <laughs> it's it's interesting to me. She, by the way, she ended up cheating on him. But th that's, nope. not, that's neither here nor <laughs> maybe, there. Maybe it was a premonition. Th that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But it's like you, you can't get mad at somebody for things that maybe you drive them to do with your own actions without uh, approaching them the right way. And th I think that's sort yeah. of the issue. Yeah, you have to look at what's my role in this. How have I allowed this to happen or how have I perpetuated this or how have I invited this? You you know, or maybe you haven't invited it, but somehow what is, whatever it is, what's your role in it? Um, and then what do you need to do in order to nurture that relationship right. with yourself and, and get back in touch with what's important to An you? Another thing too, on that, that note, Lori, is sometimes people will be guilty of doing things to you that you're not very happy with. But the question is, you have to look at yourself and go, have I articulated the fact that that bothers me, that that is something that I don't like that is a, a factor in our relationship. And if you address those sort of topics with your partner, 
that that again is is what I was talking about where one of two things are going to happen. They're going to dismiss it and it's going to hurt even more. And maybe that's a sign that your relationship isn't where you want it to be. Or they're going to go, I had no idea I was doing that. Thank you for telling me. I'll make the proper yeah. adjustments. This won't be an issue anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we've all we've all, you know, read comics and, and you know, heard the jokes about, you know, the classic thing is when one partner says to the other and it's usually, you know, if it's a man woman relationship, the guy says to her, you know, what's wrong? And she's, you know, fuming and the veins are popping out in her neck and you can see smoke coming out of her ears. And she says nothing. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Like, she won't yeah. say anything, and I will tell you, I'll be totally honest. I I would do that. I sure. would do that way early on. You know, back when I, you know, was saying I, I just I couldn't find my voice. And, I just yeah, and it's because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't you don't want to no, be I the source. Rock the yeah, boat. yeah, yeah. And it was so much that it literally, if I would try to open my mouth and even try to talk. My, literally the muscles in my, in my throat would constrict and nothing would come out. I mean, that's how fearful I was about talking about what was up for me or what was, I, I was upset about. Right. So, th- I mean, thank God I, I, I got, I finally got through that terrible phase, but I can only imagine how frustrating that would have been for my husband, um, or, you know, boyfriend, if it was before we were married, um, to know that something was wrong. And to not be able to get anything out of me. So then your partner's left going, well, I have no idea how I can't, I can't help. I can't understand. I can't fix. I can't do anything because I have no idea what you're upset about and you won't talk. Right. I can't drive you where you want to go if I don't have the directions or know the way. Yeah. I don't know where you want to go. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's a, that's a big one right there. Um, Okay. Another thing not to lose sight of don't sacrifice Um, things that are a priority for you, even if they're not a priority for your partner. Uh, Again, you have to honor your own needs and goals too. I mean, you're not going to have every single thing in common and want to do all the same things 24 seven. You might in the very beginning, but eventually there's going to come a time where, you know, you find, you know, he he or she wants to do something or, or have a hobby or an interest that you have no interest in. You don't have to give up your stuff, though. And if you if you are, that's one of those red flags. So don't sacrifice those things that are important for you or a priority um, just because they're not for your partner. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like genres of film. Like if you both like movies, hey, you're going to watch movies. But one might like documentaries. Another might like, you know, horror films. Uh, That doesn't that doesn't mean that you both have to watch documentaries or, you know, horror films every single time like maybe you can agree to find a comedy that you like but don't 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 give up your passion yeah that's a great example i mean eric and i are like that we have uh we have um a roster of favorites that we love to watch together and then we sit and talk about it and analyze and we just have a, a really good time with it and then there's some stuff that that i like that he's not interested in so i just uh i just watch those when he's either you know if i'm staying up late or if he's traveling i just watch those by myself. Right. It's all good. Right. We don't have to watch and, the same things all the time or whatever that applies to. And sometimes yeah. I just want to watch a movie by myself. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and I'll save those really good movies for those times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Next thing not to lose sight of. Okay. You're your own whole person. So being like one half of a couple 
does not nor should require you to diminish yourself or become like a nice, neat, tidy fit into what you think is your partner's idea of how the relationship needs to work. So remember that you're a unique, complete individual and you honor yourself and you honor your, your source or whatever you want to call, you know, the God of your understanding, if you have a, a spiritual relationship, but you honor yourself and your source by maintaining your individual identity. So I think that that's really important. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, in, I, I think, I mean, obviously all of these go back to the, the broad topic at hand, but you need to maintain your identity. You just have to be yourself. We are all individuals and that's what makes relationships great. What you're not good at, maybe your partner is. What 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 they're not good at, maybe you are. And you make one cohesive unit. And yeah, I, I think that's a, a nice note to just remember the overall uh, message here. Don't forget who you are. Right. right. And if your partner is emotionally healthy and mature and and your partner truly loves and supports you then then they wouldn't want you to sacrifice any of those things they wouldn't want you to do any of those things in fact they'll eventually start to resent it or simply lose interest in you right. if you are losing yourself well, in them because you know you've either become a burden or you've just simply become boring right and and it goes back to i think something else that you know is is the broader narrative here in in your identity you are who you are, and that's why people like you. And if, if you find someone that likes you and you just become who they are, then you're no longer the person that they were interested in to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've, you've lost all your flavor. <laughs> you right, yeah. You know, you don't, you don't want to be that, uh, that, that piece of bubble gum on the seventh hour. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, yeah, <laughs> right. I don't. Was was this cherry or fruit punch or just I don't know what flavor this was, but I'm still chewing on it. Exactly, that's awesome, awesome. All right, so the so the last uh, the last thing I'm going to throw in here is um, I was realizing actually just this morning that um, there's a principle in my, in my book Common Sense Happiness. Principle number two is called Hold Your Power, and that. Uh, that relates a lot to this. It was written more um, in a general sense, but it absolutely applies specifically to your um, particular um, intimate relationships. And you know what I mean by holding your power. You want to you want to make sure you don't lose sight of that. Is it it it's about you know owning and and standing strong in what's true for you. It's it's like embracing and practicing your personal responsibility and control of your own thoughts and your emotions and your actions, and then and then you use that to become you know all that you desire for yourself. Which you know again if you've got a uh, if you've got an emotionally men uh, and a mentally healthy and mature partner that that's what they want for you um so you want to be sure that you're not compromising your values to to make sure you um are accepted by your partner and and you want to make sure that um you know you're you're following your heart and you're not giving away your power by by letting go of all of those things. So there's, there's more about that in, in that principle in the book, um, for people that are interested, but holding your power is really what all of this is about in, in the sense that I was writing. So I think that it's just really important for everybody to remember that each partner should be able to stand on their own two feet and, 
um, and do things that make them thrive both as individuals and as a couple. I mean, you, you have a life together, but you also need to maintain your own identity and do the things that feed you. So don't leave yourself behind. Um, love and respect yourself enough to maintain your autonomy and nurture your individual preferences within your relationships. Codependency does not look good on anybody. Not at all. Um, change can always mean growth if you decide to make it so. Yeah, I think that this is a very valuable conversation. And before I, uh, before I say thanks to everybody, is there anything else you'd like to add, TJ? No, that, that's about it. I, uh, again, going back to what I said earlier, I think that you learn a lot by uh, teaching and, and articulating. And I think, uh, I think I learned a little bit here on, on the show, too. So I appreciate uh, you including me. Absolutely. I, lo I love it. We'll do this. We'll just keep doing this because this is a lot of fun. And I think we have great conversation about it and I think people can get a lot out of it. And, you know, the happier people are within um, with themselves and within their relationship, that the happier, you know, it's it's contagious. Right. It, it it permeates everything else that we do in life. So it's good the, food the for thought. Yeah. Yeah. The vibration rises when we're when we're all um, vibrating at a higher, happier level. So thank you for your awesome input, as always. And uh, hey, everybody, if any of this conversation struck a chord with you, I, I really do hope that you'll take it as well-meaning and, and even like a, maybe a loving wake-up call. Uh, it's, it's, it's never, ever too late to redirect your behavior, to change course, and to reclaim yourself if that's what you need to do. And if you know somebody who needs to hear this, then please share the link with them because we all need a little nudge now and then to help us get unstuck. It is possible to get yourself on a pathway that leads to the next best version of yourself and of your relationship. So if you are trying to make some shift happen in your life or your relationship and um, you think you could use a little bit of help and you want some private coaching, you can find out more about uh, what that would be like with me and um, connect with me on lauriebischoff.com or we're talking shift.com. Or, of course, any of the social media platforms. I'm on all of them, I think. So thank you, everybody, for listening again. I love you so much. I really hope that uh, there's some good stuff here for you to chew on. I'll talk with you all next week. Meanwhile, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some shift happen. You too, Mr. Gary B. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.